Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. This is the conversation we had in front of a live audience of our members with Sam McElwain from the Shrapnel podcast, Legal Eagle, Shauna Grant, and Dan Nickstrom in Helsinki, who upset us all. I think you'll really enjoy it and get lots out of it. If you want to attend these live events online, you just join us on patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. You get the invite link and in you pop and we can have the conversation afterwards. We turn off the, we turn off the recording and have a conversation with our members right there in the Zoom room. It's always the best crack of the week. Another big week ahead out this morning we have my conversation with Lynn Boylan on animal welfare and what is going on there in terms of the Oireachtas bill that's trying to move what are guidelines into law uh, we have a great conversation coming up with Professor Anthony Staines, he of the of the healthcare uh, the professor in DCU, who's going to talk about what is happening this winter, be it COVID or flu season, and what is ahead for our health service. We're also going back to Brazil and to the US this week, so plenty to come. All will be available as quickly as I can turn them around on patreon.com forward slash tortoise And don't forget to grab tickets for Ballymun. They are out now. Uh, numbers are limited so if you want to it's eventbrite.ie thanks for the support thanks for listening thanks for rating and please do consider joining us it really makes all the difference Good afternoon and welcome to the Tortoise Shack Sunday special. This is our rundown of the week that was and it has been a week. That's uh, one way of kind of glossing over it, but we will get into it. Uh, I am delighted to be joined by uh, co-host of the Shrapnel podcast, Sam McElwain and uh, Legal Eagle, Miss, uh, Legal Eagle, Shauna Grant is back. Uh, Dan Nickstrom makes his uh, return to the Tortoise Shack in his first time on the Sunday show. It's good to see you, Dan. And uh, a sickly but still sprightly. Uh, uh, is that a fair yeah, description? No, no, not sprightly at all. <laughs> Martin McMahon joins us. Just quick shout out for, for Martin. We're, we're live in Ballymun on the 18th and 19th of November. We uh, are. If you can make it that long. Um, uh, I'll make it. No, no, I'll be there. The question is all of you listening and all of you going to listen to this. You need to be there and you need to be there. So please buy some tickets on the website. Tony will give us a little shout of what the details are later on. Listen, just go to eventbrite.ie, throw in Tordeshek and the tickets are up there now. I uh, hope to see lots of people there, be a bit of crack. And um, we might even drag the other fella down from the attic to, to, to visit for us. Is that right, Sam? Yeah, the two of us will be dying. I'll stay a bit longer. Oh, yeah. I stay in the welcome, you never know. Yeah. Look, I, there's a, obviously there's a lot to get into. I just want to very quickly cover a couple of things that, again, you know I like to do this, Martin. Some of the things I don't know if you saw what was happening in LA this week, but um, a lot of people having to resign from the uh, from the their, their uh, elected officials because um, of being caught uh, redrafting districts to make sure that they got reelected, uh, caught on tape, caught on audio, talking about what they were doing. It's interesting that this kind of stuff we've known about gerrymandering uh, for years. I've I've made accusations of how, you know, electoral boundaries have been shifted in in the Irish system. But it's interesting to see when those when the conversations are said out loud uh, and now there's repercussions to the point where Joe Biden came out and said, OK, one person has gone, but the other two people on that tape need to go as well. And um, we have yeah. we have some boundary changes coming up here, too, Tony. Yeah, I just uh, I just Mid East could go to a four. Could go to a four. Yeah, uh, look, I mean, we've already we're already overrepresented with me having any representation at all. <laughs> I'm um, just here to keep them out of Dublin. That's but, all. Yeah, 
but yeah, no, no, I just I just found that interesting again to see that that it it's not something that gets talked about enough. We do have boundaries redrawn. We see the population moving up in the latest census. So if that's the case, we will have more representation. We should also be paying attention to how it's been redrawn. I do think it's really important. Yeah. Um. Other thing that was interesting, I don't is is the actual. Um, it, it, we're going back to Brazil this week again. We have uh, we've two two people being recommended to us, but the runoff is coming, and you know the there's it's close. It's close, Tony. It is a close runoff. Yeah, and so unfortunately, many of the right wing candidates who are eliminated, they are many of them have come out and told their voters to go with Bolsonaro. So that's probably you know that 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 may close any gap. Um, and yeah, no, there's again we have to pay attention to what's happening there. And finally, on that, there was one really good news. And again, most people will think, what is he talking about? But um, all this onshoring that's happening in the US at the moment, obviously they're trying to tempt corporations back and 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 you know bring back the businesses one of the things that they were trying to do is develop microchips and 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 wean themselves off um the need for chinese manufacturing or, or asia specific pacific manufacturing what you're seeing actually costa rica has become the place of thing and there's a potential there which ireland i think should be keeping an eye on because ireland's big in- intel offices and ireland's big tech sector will be at risk Martin, by what we would have called developing countries, you know, um, I know, I know, so, and that includes the UK these days. I, I, I just also, Shamim's not here. She said she'd try and join us, but her story this week, if anybody did see it, one of her stories this week, uh, is just another indictment of the Irish um, immigration and stamp system, whereby we've an award-winning. Uh, set designer who has, you know, literally won the the Irish Times Theatre Awards and uh, facing actually having to leave because she's de- designated basically self-employed because of the work she does is, is you know, from project to project. And she her, her residency, her residency time here doesn't count. And she's not allowed a veil of, you know, the, the, the backdated to get those years to apply for a visa, apply to move up the stamps and literally you're talking about people saying we need this this woman has come in she's been a breath of fresh air it's it's, it's she, uh, the we need to look at the arts how we treat them and now you have someone who's come who's contributing working putting it in as i said award-winning time and then been told actually because of your type of employment martin um, and look it's not the the only thing there's a lot of you know i do a lot of work on this there's a lot of really genuine entrepreneurs out there, people who are genuinely self-employed and they are extremely badly served because there are so many who are bogusly self-employed. So the resources are too spread out and they should be focused on those who are genuinely self-employed. And there isn't as many as people think. It's, you know, um, entrepreneurism like that is difficult to come across. Generally, people who are self-employed are classified as self-employed are people who are making money who open a business uh, or another business or whatever it is. So, you know, genuine people like that who are doing the work, the whole system is is effed and you know it, Tony. Well, it I just is. want, I just, again, plug for the Dublin Enquirer uh, and Shamim's great work on the immigration beat. Uh, she is chasing the source, as, as you said. She said she might jump in a, in a while if she can get back. But I think that's just an indictment of how bad we are. Like, again, in the same week, where I think there was an, a report saying that 1,400 uh, foreign nationals have purchased 
the Irish visas over the last couple of years. You know, it's, it's we've we've been talking about this for a while, and one of these days that's going to up and bite somebody on the ass, Tony. It, and it, it really is. It's four hundred grand to buy an Irish visa, um, and that's how you get your that's how you get your foot in the door. And what they do is like the likes of Bartra Capital. So Bartra Capital, yeah. who who built Odevney Gardens finance themselves by putting it out there and saying not only are they they taking the money but the money they take in from these wealthy individuals then the state say well it's the it's the lesser of two evils because they built a few social homes with it that's right that's and right. They, and in exchange they get um as i was i was corrected by angus kelly from um the the lawyer the other day when he said to me it's not a passport and I, it's 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 a visa I would argue, and he said that it's you know it's very different. And I said it is very different. But if I could afford four hundred grand for for uh, for a visa, I'm not worrying about direct provision. Yeah, that's um, exactly the truth, and that is the truth of it, one hundred percent. Yeah, you're getting you're getting a, a visa, and that's the and, the and it's access to the EU as well. So it's something that needs to be looked at. The money is going into, as I said, a few social homes. It's going into residential units for retired people, elderly elderly care, and that sort of stuff. So the state are saying it's the lesser of two evils, and I don't know if anybody else has any thoughts on it, but it just seems to me to not be. It needs to be yeah. something that, that needs to be explored in a bit more detail. Uh, absolutely. I, I'm going to actually going to move us on to Sam because Sam was listening to one of the podcasts during the week. I think it was a me and you. And we were talking about uh, the old TAL, the old Chucky R law. And Sam said to Tony, oh, I don't agree with Martin's opinion on this. So and I said, well, I wouldn't expect Sam to agree with me. And that's the truth. I wouldn't expect Sam to agree with me, but I am very interested to know Sam's views on it. The views on it, to be honest, I, I don't have a problem with the, with the team singing it. They're they're young and they're hyped up. It, it's what follows. Is that a mirror held up the Irish society at the moment that they, they don't see the hurt that this causes to their unionist neighbours? That That is the issue that I have. It's not... I don't need you to see the offence that I have. I don't need you to understand the offence that I have, but I need you to know that there is emotion here. Um, there is a hurt here. And, it, and that song prangs at that emotion. It, it does prick us. Um, it, it could be something in a, inoffensive in your eyes, but in our eyes, it, it just brings back so much. And I, I need you guys to know that when you when you say it, it's not offensive, you need to understand our emotion. You need to have the empathy to come in and look at it from our community. And when you're trying to build towards a united Ireland that, that everybody's once we're being told um, this is not the best way to put the olive branch out there. This is not the best way to hand out and say, come and join us. This is actually can, can a, I play, a nephew. Can I play the devil's advocate, Sam, and say that that works both ways? I, I agree. And I, I totally agree. And, and I'll be the first to call out um, chanting from, from, from my community and from my side. I, 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 I recall, Sam, when there was a... God, we need to stop filming people with camera phones, by the way. <laughs> it's That's terrible. It's, it's but terrible. but I remember one of the first you text me after the Michaela McCreevy uh, outcry immediately that morning saying this is not this is not good enough. And you were kind enough to outline to me when you saw that uh the 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 chant this week, you know, you've lost a friend on, on the Shankill bombing that you've lost. That that you know that that is what that means. But uh, uh, Sean, if we could bring you in if you don't mind because you've been really good i i put it to 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 in commentating in in how you're explaining that you can see that and how dare we kind of put this into simple silos can you just give us your thoughts on it that please i think um i agree with sam about the chant i think like in one way i'm 
glad that people have the privilege to be able to shout that and not have any baggage with it because that's a privilege in itself to not even have to think, you know, because the weight of what you inherit here, even if you did, I only lived through the last, the 90s part of it. Um, but my daddy was working in Lockin Island the day that that happened, you know, so I remember waiting on him to come home from work and crying when he was going to work the next day. But um, the weight of carrying all of this, I mean, I've seen so many people and I say, you know, I wrote this morning, like you're, you're wearing the, the, the trauma of the troubles for clout uh, or cause playing it. And there's a lot of people doing that. And like Sam, I agree with you and that it's offensive to uh, unionists, but like there's an awful lot, if you look at the, like I find it traumatic to see the raw as, and I see that as part of the whole context of the troubles to be so glibly spoken about because like my father was locked in the basement of a hotel by the IRA and they set it alight upstairs and that was stressed not long after the Le Mans uh, you know it, 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 there not, wasn't a lot of questions being asked of victims about what their passport was and their aspirations whenever people were carrying out these things so it was a lot of it was indiscriminate um, and I know then we can then I see a lot of people then who didn't live through it have nothing to do with it and are like pro the chanting or minimizing what people have objected to and I don't think you get to do that if you haven't experienced or lived through um, any of it and I, I think that is incredibly tone deaf and it's it's, I don't know, I find it very, not, I hate, hesitate to use the word offensive, but I think people need to put their listening ears a lot on and you need to listen to voices that maybe you have muffled because of what their background is. I mean, I mean that's sectarian in itself. And I think if, if you can't admit to the fact that you only selectively listen to voices that you like to hear the perspective of, then you cannot criticize other people for saying they're siloed or you know um I mean I think that the singing of that song in the, in the dressing room was personally I can like I would be lying if I did if I said I hadn't been in environments where it's, that song sang all the time and that chant is sung all the time or people don't do it when they drop a glass or when they you know it has become so innocuous um that the, the intent behind it I think people a lot of people I mean, Carla Lockhart using sending letters to, from the position of a power of an MP, that really stings me whenever she was standing beside Dennis Hodgson beside his trial. But mm. just because there's people who have, have no moral authority to be offended are part of the ones that are offended doesn't mean you get to silence or discount everybody else within that group. And I think if, if you're being, I mean, there was an awful lot of criticism about Ireland's future being an echo chamber. And people were saying, and I was one of the people saying, like, that's not fair, that's not right. Um, but then if you go on to say that if you, and a lot of the people who were saying it's not, and you know, the criticism is unwarranted, but then if you go on to say that everybody who disagrees with you is not worth listening to, then I mean, that's you're creating your own echo chamber and you might dress up, you know, your mild sectarianism in a form of, oh, but I'm leftist liberalist and 
but yeah. that is sectarian in its own way to discount. I don't think you get to discount people's trauma up here because it doesn't suit you. That's that's my well, uh, Sam, summary. can can I ask a question of you as well though? Because one of the ugliest sides, and you're right to raise uh, what Carla Lockhart did, and it was in, it was just crazy to see people politicising it so quickly. You know, calling for like we've a UEFA investigation now into something. We've seen it. This you know this is where we're we're at now. Where where this brilliant achievement which dwarfs anything, any controversy, in my opinion. And, and but people continue to want to, to talk about this. But again, I want to bring it back to that, that idea that then, or maybe Sean have put it well, cosplaying for clout. There was a lot of that. And it's, you know, you've seen it in the South, particularly where it took about two hours from it to go from this video to what's this video got to do with the shinners? You know, it was, it literally went that quickly. And how did, how did, how did you, what was your read on it? You know, because again, in a way I felt, your community wasn't being spoken to, it was being spoken at, even by people who were saying it to say that we're actually, we're on your side here. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the usual, I mean, if anybody can see in here, if they get some political clout or some sort of point scoring exercise, they go out of hammer and tongs. They don't give a shit about the victims. And I'll, I'll state this here now, the, the victims of the IRA aren't all Protestant. I mean, they, they come from across the globe. They come from every section of our community. Uh, and there's still people there, um, Breeze Quinn being one, calling for, for justice. So it's not unique to my community, but it is felt by my community. But there are people there who jump on the bandwagon, and that cheapens the argument. It really does, because what we get then is just a cacophony of noise, and it's hard to pull out the authentic voices it's hard to pull out those that have been seriously traumatized and hurt by what has went on because there is just an on mass noise. And it doesn't come just from those preparing to be from my community and trying to help. It comes from both sides. You just get deadened and deafened in, a, in an echo chamber that's empty. And then all of a sudden it comes filled with voices shouting at each other and nothing coherent comes out of it. I mean, I thought it was quite good that the likes of uh, Seth on on. Uh, Twitter have offered to bring the team up and show them around the border regions. It's maybe not the best thing to do, but at least it was a constructive way out of this. It wasn't a point to finger. You guys are doing this. This is wrong. You don't understand. It was constructive. And I think that's where it's being lost. Instead of having those conversations about why it's hurtful, uh, why we find it offensive, why other people have found it offensive, instead of having that conversation, what we had was a lot of people shouting from the sides who really don't give a shit. There's no skin in the game for them at all. They haven't suffered as much as some. Um, they, they think they know what they're doing. They think they're helping out sometimes. And my goodness, they're not. They're actually just making it worse because what happens in people who have been injured and hurt and traumatized by the troubles are getting left behind because people are trying to point score. People are trying to get one-upmanship on the other side, whatever side it's coming from. And they're just pointing the finger and shouting. I think after listening to yourself, Shauna, uh, I feel somewhat chagrined. I feel telt a little. And I agree with you. You're both dead right. And, and I do agree with you. You're both dead right. But I would also throw a perspective in that there were young women who did something absolutely fabulous and they did it off their own steam they were looking for finances and we all know the background to that and i also think none of us will pass anybody's purity test and i've said this before none of us pass a purity test and let he who's out sin throw the first stone but please they're young women who did something great the fact that they said chucky our lad does not detract from what they did 
it just doesn't. It was young, maybe it was a little in, immature, insensitive for all the reasons both Sam and Sean have said. But it is seriously not something that should end up in, in front of FIFA, Tony. It's seriously you know, not. I think, I think we need to be careful that we're not attacking these young ladies. Yeah, um, on mass, we're not putting a pylon on them. It just, that's not what, what I'm saying. The problem that I had, as I said at the beginning, was that the fact that it became such an, such an issue where people felt that they could come on and defend this without recognising that there was hurt. We're not saying they, they meant to cause it. We're not saying that they fully understood what they were singing and they were caught in the moment. But there was a million songs they could have but, chosen, but, but and they, they chose that one. But just I want to again, though we shouldn't focus on the team because I think the team, Vera Pell was brilliant. Her her, her apology was was full, so it was contrite. It covered all the angles. <laughs> Some of the, the reaction, Sean. You know, we, I know what you're going to say, I, and I know, and it's part of the reason is the ones that was telling off that has caused the concussion yes. of reaction, yes. and and I felt that too. I mean, I heard it and singing, I thought. Like, why are you singing that? And I, I heard, heard them singing it. My first thought was like, why are you singing that? Because you've no, you don't mean what you're singing. I know you don't mean, well, what you're singing. So why? Like, why? And then Sky Sports News came on and said, <laughs> you need to learn your history. And I mean, like, I, like, I was annoyed when I heard I, I was, that. I, I was ready to board a plane and, and go like, cause trouble. <laughs> listen, I was annoyed by that as well. Because yeah. you, you don't need to tell me. Every, to go, every, yeah, oh my across goodness. Across that water, they need Sam, to be every, every unionist that I went, that, like I know, and that I was in England with, has had their history told to them by English people, and and you know that is as aggravating. I it's it's a, that's a very short experience across the divide. Well, you know, is, is it um, fair to say that if you have no skin in the game, that you shouldn't really be putting in on this? Is that a fair thing to say? Well, I think you could say. I think it's a great opportunity to listen and learn, and yeah. and you know you have, and and I think a lot of people. Twitter. I said about two days ago. Twitter makes me like I have a lot of Twitter's great takes a burden off my friends and family of having to listen to my 10 second thoughts <laughs> I think we the, all live in that world yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I can just fire it out there and then I listen I learn and I review and I think I don't even really believe what I've written 20 an hour ago you know I've listened I've seen other people's perspectives and stuff and uh I think a little bit more of that, a little bit more generosity. Um, Twitter encourages you to entrench yourself a lot. Oh, I think it's the opposite, Sean. I think it's the opposite. I think it has made me move my views so much over yeah, the yeah. years. But you need to be willing to move your views. And that's, yeah. I think, where Martin, you come in there. That there are those ones who will retreat into the bunker and stand their ground and never come out of it. And I think Twitter does that, as Sean says, it on a regular basis. We expose the worst of our society sometimes to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But but the worst the worst part of it for me, going back to the social media thing, is that there's other people then who then weaponize that. They'll say every every bot account that says anything, they'll go, oh look at this bot account that that's given like there were two followers that it was set up yesterday, um, saying something that I don't like and and turning it into you know trying to amplify that. I mean, and then we become the what about re creeps in. You know what I mean? I, I like I saw Jamie. I saw Jamie B making a statement this week about an event in Waterford that I, I won't even comment on because I don't want to give him any more airtime than he deserves. But it felt like saying, actually, that's much more problematic in my views to, to to some of the things that he's 
But I, I no, but Martin, it's important to, to frame this to, that we don't want to. I would wa- wouldn't want to give give credence to those things, but sometimes those loud voices they they do. It's the it's the the squeaky wheel that can get the oil far too often, and and it gets drowned out. Not just in social media, by the way. We only have to go look at some of the columns that have come out really quickly, you know. And it's been uh, that's what I was going to say is that it's hard to avoid, uh, you know. You can turn off social media, but you can't turn off uh, news influence that coming at you from mainstream media. And I know there's a lot of of um, mileage in chasing heat, but this is heat that didn't need to be chased. And it needs to stop being chased because I do real feel really bad for, for the women that went and did that. And I, I feel that their achievement has been overshadowed mm-hmm. by something and whilst I accept what Sam is saying and I accept what Sean is saying, they're only kids. They're only kids. Please, for God's sake, they're, they're, they're you know, you have to give them a little bit of space and at least give them their victory and allow them that. It was a brilliant victory. I mean, if, if they come out of this with a bit more maturity and a bit more experience and, and, and having learned something, then it's been worth it for them um they have that empathy for maybe something they thought was innocuous i'll tell you what i hope sam i hope they go on and win and that the next memory they have about something great they achieve isn't tainted by by a cacophony of noise on top of them and i just mean it's not the the article yesterday there was there's a few articles that have a um in the end no surprise but that yes lincoln uh kressler and Shocking. I just think that's appalling that that got past, uh, you know, the editor. And then then I can't remember, was it the Irish time saying, give them a few houses and they'll stop yeah. shutting up the rat. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so insulting to people on waiting lists for housing and, and her, her V&Bs for two, three years with kids. Like, it's, and that's, I think if you're interested in reconciliation and building a new Ireland, you do not go about telling people who are like who are hugely suffering at the minute that you know any of the views that they're espousing are because I, I don't know I just thought that was so so tone deaf and can, that's, can I, can, all can that's going to do is light a fire underneath something that needs to like as Martin said is has been blown out of is being is being blown out of proportion by those people pretending that they want to to dampen it down it was it was Irresponsible, and I, I, I put up a point yesterday that a, a an actual urban planner and and housing expert I know wrote a piece for a national newspaper, and then it mentioned the government's ideology has been a problem for for construction, and the whole that whole uh, paragraph and a half was removed, and the part the article was run without it, and yet we have those two mm-hmm. articles yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just scary to think. Um, and then, of course, you have Shane, nobody interviewed Shane Ross. Nobody. Yeah. Well, uh, you no, know, he missed out. I, I, we'll have. He to was on Talkback. You can listen to it if you want. It oh, is yeah. as <laughs> dull as dishwater. It uh, was. That was. The, that was. I mean, actually, can we just mention the fact that the reason that he wasn't mentioned is because apparently his interview was appalling. Okay, they, they just decided it wasn't worth running. It wasn't. It wasn't that he said anything controversial or anything like that. No one cared. And um, I'm actually going to go with the housing theme for a minute, though, if you don't mind, and go to Dan because Dan, you you got into it this week as well because an article came to the fore about um, how housing first actually works as opposed to how it's set up to work in Ireland. And you're you've got a front row seat to it in in, in your in in Helsinki. So first of all. Do you want to just give us a, a sense of 
how it how it works and maybe a little bit of the feedback because it was a bit strange this week. It was we've known about this for a long time, but all of a sudden yeah. it was on the zeitgeist and you were you were sucked into it. Yeah, yeah I saw it there, and it's uh, like yeah, I, just as I, I suppose I'm, I I can be your feet on the ground here in Helsinki or something. But as as like an Irish man who moved over here, it's uh, it's just interesting to see how a different country handles things differently. And and for me, it's the things I'm always thinking about is the things that is maybe people are struggling with back in Ireland, which is your housing, your homelessness, your healthcare, your childcare, these sort of things and seeing how it's done in, in a different way. But no, for sure, the, the homelessness is something that they have absolutely uh, handled here in a completely different way. And I think um, I, I actually listened back to the, um, you did a, a podcast with you had there, one of the guys from the, from the. Yes. Yeah, one of the, one of the guys who runs the, who, yeah, the, the actual system. And I want to point out, not it's not a not a big mad lefty, you know. That they're not. Yeah, yeah. It's... No, no, no. And, and I think that's what's interesting here. It feels that like because Finland has issues with you know right wing, uh, you know neo Nazi type stuff under the under like it's it's a small thing, but there, there's more right wing anti immigration uh, in in Parliament than there would be in Ireland. But uh, but it's mad. Even these mad right wingers all seem to kind of support the system that is there of the you know this the this. Social I, I'd correct you there for a second. Mad. Dan and say that it's not as obvious in the Irish Parliament. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It isn't as obvious. They're able to, they're able to hide it a bit better. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. For, for me, like, I think one of the major things is if if you look at some of the numbers, like, uh, like you can go into the homelessness for, for sure. And, and the way that in Ireland, like, we're at over ten thousand homeless people in Ireland, and this is only homeless people in emergency accommodation. Whereas in Finland, the same metric at the moment is 700. Okay, so they're like, it's not completely disappeared, but they're on the way down and they're on 700 on their way down and they, they have a goal to get to zero. But uh, but when you just look at those two numbers, it's just like mind blowing, you know. But uh, Can I make a point though? At the, at the beginning of the crash, they we both had a similar amount. We had, were as estimated around 1500 and Finland's was about 1750. And exa- pretty much the same. Yeah. Ireland was marginally better actually. Yeah, and and the two countries very similar population around five million, but it's a, but basically they've been constantly flying away at at social housing. Like social housing is huge over here. There's a, I think there's about fifty thousand social homes uh, in Helsinki, and there's about twenty four thousand in Dublin. And then if you include the greater area around Helsinki, it's up about seventy five thousand. And like I have mates over here, like three mates of mine are in social housing over here, and they're just normal working people. And uh, I was asking one of the boys last night when I knew I was coming on here, I asked him how long he was waiting. So he said he was a couple of months waiting. Him and his wife applied for social housing. They had a house in a couple of months and he works. So he's a carpenter. She's a social worker. They had their house and it's a lovely little house. And it's like, and, know, and, and, and the rent is reasonable. This is like yeah. telling us a fairy tale, Dan. This, yeah. this is, you know, this is Disney. And and the thing is, if if you go on to if if you go to the private market, you know, uh, I, I I took a look last night just out of curiosity. If you, if I went on to Daft on the private rental market, and in total in Dublin last night there was two hundred and eighty four homes to rent in Dublin. In Helsinki there was nine thousand. Jesus. Nine thousand. So uh, and I, I I was looking at a a, a two bed for under nine hundred euro in Dublin zero Helsinki eighty six a two bed for under a thousand in Dublin zero. Helsinki 192, a two bed for under 1200. There was one in Dublin, a two bed for under 1200. There was 725 in Helsinki. So it's just like there's just thousands and thousands of of house of houses available. Now, of course, people will say that like the, the the growth in the population in Dublin has been bigger in the last 20 years or something like that. So that that is obviously uh, complicates it a bit. But like 
it's not like you can't just throw it all out the window with that. I mean, you know, more people are coming into the country. You can build more. We have all this dereliction we, going on. There's, you don't we, see any the, dereliction. I think I worked it out, Dan. The population grew by 11% since Fine Gael took, first took power. And homelessness, homelessness grew by 265%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds about right. But just on just on the housing thing, like we see today, uh, again, the story breaking that they're going to buy more, like up to nearly 30,000 of these built to rent units to the state and they're going to have to start buying because they're nowhere near their, the targets that they've set. So another admission that 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 goal is gone. Like, can I ask both Sean and Sam, though, having like you're both like listening to, to Dan and going, what does he live in Narnia? Where where is he? Where are they getting this? Like. There's huge issues as well um, with this, particularly around the provision of affordable housing in 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 the north. Mm. How what? How does that sound when you when you hear that? Especially since Storm and still isn't even up and running, folks. I'm just googling how you get the visa at the minute. Um, the move. <laughs> it's uh, it's well, why do, why do we ignore this stuff? And, and I mean at a governmental level, why is why is there a government sitting and what they're looking at across across the North Sea and going? Yeah, that looks like a good system, but we'll just ignore it because we'd rather see our people sleep on the streets. I know die. the answer, Sam. I know the yeah, answer. Yeah, and I know the answer. Yeah, and it's, the it's, answer, it's all no, the no, 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 and it's not. It is always, if there is a problem, it is not to solve the problem. It's who can profit from the problem. Yeah. And that's what happens in Ireland. It's not how do we solve it. It's which one of our circle can profit for it. It's been with everything. It started with contract nurses, housing. It do, it's right across the board. Yeah, I mean, and we're seeing it in, in the UK as well. I mean, the NHS is our greatest argument to stay within the union, and it's been stripped from the inside. Um, we're looking at this week at maybe trust going through and, and taking away the no-fault eviction um, policy that's meant to be in place. I mean, it, we, we are seeing the Tories got the country um, and making every single argument that we have to stay within the union absolutely unpalatable. I mean, it's they're, they're doing us no service at all here. Um, but governments change. Uh, and what I'm hoping is somebody... We're hoping not. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But, but, but let's, let's just say you're, you're not far behind us, eh? What's the, <laughs> what's the expression? What was the expression? It was. I don't mean to... like. I don't want to upset anybody who goes, you know, it's not even Halloween yet, Tony, but we are only now two chancellors away from Christmas, Sam. You know, yeah. it's... Uh, it's I mean, you've had more chancellors than Chelsea managers. You know you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I have no, I've well, let's let's face it. Jeremy Hunt isn't a great character no. altogether. Um, and I have no faith that he's going to be in place in the next couple of months. Him, him, or his boss, to be honest. Um, but I think we need a, we need, we need to have a stable government for a while. We, we need something to sell. Sean, can I come to you on on the stability piece because it's we're very close to the need for uh, another election. It does look like even if there is if it is called, they'll, they'll put it out to the last possible moment into January. Is is what they're already these things are already being openly discussed. Like we let it pass the deadline, push it out into the new year. I mean, what the hell is going on? Whereby it can be that dysfunctional? Have you on mute? Deadlines up here are they're not uh they're more like a, a rough guide rather yeah, than yeah. Uh, aspirational they're not, yeah they're not i mean we had i remember during the last collapse there was how many deadlines oh, this is they're in talks oh, there's catering going in actually they're going to stay all night uh, and then <laughs> they're all just now putting on their good coats and leaving uh i mean but i mean another election i don't know i mean my 
I don't get the sense that anything would change if we had another election. Uh, I don't know, Sam, if you See, disagree, I always, but like I you'd always have more... think that's a mistake to say. Ch- little changes in elections make big differences. Well, I know, sure, we've seen 0.5 of a move in the last <laughs> census has caused a cacophony of reaction. I mean, 0.5 up here is um, in the, you know, uh, you know, in the competitive breeding that we have up here is, uh, is has been, you know, a win. Uh, so, um, can, but- can I ask a question of both of you? Because when the issue of housing comes up in the South and we talk about, and, and Sinn Féin has a plan to build quite a lot of houses, Tony, you've looked at this a little bit. But when it comes up in the South, all we ever hear from our own government is, oh, our shit is up North, it's worse up North. They're not housing people up North. Now, how does that help either up north or down south? Well, I'll, I'll go first and say that those kind of issues aren't talked about when it comes to election time. Yeah. Uh, or health. Would, no. Yeah, or health, or education, no. or employment, or pensions, mm-hmm. or anything that we need to live day to day and sort of survive as human beings is just ignored. And what we'll discuss then is protocols. We'll discuss Brexit. We'll discuss headcounts. We'll discuss who's going to be first minister. Um, the TUV used interesting language the other day when they, they said that the DUP would elevate Sinn Féin, the first minister post, the, to me, that was extremely, extremely offensive. Yeah, 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 it mean, A, does that mean that Republicans are beneath us or start with the elevate them up to the same level of us? Uh, also, we're pointing that it's the DUP's fault, but it's not. It's the electorate who have put Sinn Féin in that position. As much as I don't agree, I'm not happy with the Sinn Féin first minister because I'm anti-Sinn Féin, but that's the way democracy works. So unless you get your house in order and your ass in gear and you get out and you vote, take what comes your way. It's as simple as that. But that's interesting language. And to me, that's a pre a pre d'oeuvre if you want to look at what's coming along because they are getting into election mode now. And, and again, I think we'll get to the deadline. The DUP will walk in to storm out just before the deadline and then walk back again, in my eyes, just to extend it slightly further. I think they'll walk in, Sean, do a bit of business and walk back out yeah, the door. Sean, tell us, but go on, give us your take. I think, uh, I think, uh, like I fully agree, Sam, and I don't think there's any interest. There's, there's, there's vested interest for everybody just to say, like this, this doesn't work. I mean, the DUP uh, are playing to their base, and I don't, I don't understand. Well, I do, I do see it as that I understand it's there, but mentally, I don't understand anybody who can say, in this crippling cost living right crisis, that there's no need for Stormont or Stormont can't do anything or, you know, but I mean, I agree. I think that they're, it's not within their um, electoral interests with, particularly with Jim Allister's vote. I know it didn't translate to seats, but that's, I mean, if you look at seats as being the only metric of kind of public opinion, I don't think, I mean, and I don't think that's correct. And so he did, he came out shouting, you know, about the protocol and no one should be in anything. And he did get a big, his party did get a big vote. They didn't, they're not transfer friendly, so they didn't get seats. Um, although I will definitely be looking to see who those in South Belfast who transferred from the TV to Sinn Féin, I think there was about 16 of them on the, the last ballot. And I'd love to know, um, What's going on up uh, there? That's, but, that's, um, that's, that's, that's one of Martin's favourite habits is going into the I, count centre. I go to count centres uh, and I look at vote patterns and I count votes and I always find it amazing how people vote one, two, three. And, and it's not how people do not vote how you think they should vote in a proportional representative system. And if they used it 
better. It would be so effective, so effective. Can we can we move on very quickly to to and I, we were hoping to be joined by a data center to um, because they've been attacked <laughs> across the media. Um, How do you know you haven't been joined by one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's um, Dan. You must have a, a like. I mean, what do you have a, a, a energy crisis that's dependent on data centers in Helsinki? Well, I'll tell you the story. Uh, it, I was very—I love these kind of big, kind of civil engineering and kind of stuff, sort of projects going on. Uh, there is a massive data center being built in Helsinki, but see, all the heat in Helsinki and in pretty much every town and city in Finland, uh, the house housing apartments are supplied by district heating. So the pipes running under the city everywhere with hot water, and it just comes into your gaff. District heating. So uh, wow. the way it works here is. If, if, if you're renting a gaff, for example, in, in Helsinki or in any town or city in Finland, you won't pay higher prices for heating this winter at all. You're like, there's no change in the price. Of Sorry, Dan, price. you're breaking up. We're cutting you off now. <laughs> go away, please. please go yeah, away. No, we can, sadly. Yes. <laughs> I was... yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but basically, the way, if you're renting a gaff, you will not pay more money for, for your heating this winter because uh, th- there's yearly agreements that go on and it's the owner of the apartment who pays the district heating company uh, an amount for the, for, for, for the heating. And so basically, uh, it, it's the owner who has to pay for it. So, of course, next year, maybe the rents will go up a little bit because next year, like uh, in at the end of the year, they're, they're raising it by 30%. They're raising all the district heating costs by 30% to reflect it. But it's very much kind of, it can be it can be dragged out over a long period of time, and it's socialized. And it's actually it's spread amongst. I can't believe. No, no, no. Okay, we need to get the data centers on this. Tell us now how that's oh, yeah. impacting. Come on. Yeah, so the data centers. So they built a giant data center, and of course they're plugging it straight into the district heating network. So this data center is going to heat, I think, fifty thousand homes because the network is there, so they can use all the excess heat from the data center and make it useful, as opposed to firing it all out into the air. Now I know there is one data center in Tala where they have mm. done this as a kind of a trial project. But you see, uh, so they're able to, I think it's one housing estate and I think it's a university or uh, uh, there that they're able to heat, but it's it's absolutely something that should be looked into more. Uh, of course, it's easy to, when the, when the infrastructure is there, it makes it so much easier, but these are- Yeah, if you, just, and, if, you want to, if you want to connect to a grid, the grid has to be in place. But and the fact can, that they, yeah. do they spend any time, I mean, any serious time at all looking at the fucking protocol, do they? Do they? I mean, do they have issues like protocols? Do they have issues like people not going into government? Or, and is it just the business of the day that they just get on with the stuff they need in Finland? I don't know. Like, obviously, no one's perfect. And, 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 and of course, just there's issues and flaws and all that stuff. But it, it definitely, it feels like, like, I don't know, it's hard to, it feels like things that, it feels like who, like people just kind of, the government just get on with stuff. I, it does feel like that. Like, of course, there was the whole thing about Santa Marin, uh, the prime minister, you know, uh, was drinking, you know, yeah, Marin, yeah, yeah. you know, and the whole, that, that was like the biggest scandal, you know, but, but no, it, it does seem that they, they can get on and they can just kind of make stuff happen. And I think that the, the municipalities, like the city councils and all that, have more power here from what i can understand i'd like to dig into it more but it seems that like when you pay your taxes here you pay your taxes to the state and you pay your taxes to your municipality which is quite a chunk of them so so i think that like for example helsinki city they run all of the stuff in helsinki kind of and obviously there's there's government funding coming in for that but i think that they i don't know if that's makes a difference or if that's part of it or that's well, well, i tell you what like i mean that's one of the jokes i always play has been dublin's first elected directly elected mayor because that's we kind of need to go down that road in, in some ways that we have power in local authorities that we have those ability to make decisions we're not 
you know, Owen Keegan has run Dublin for a number of years now without, and he's Head to the fucking ground, may I say? Yeah, but I mean, like, and his one legacy is probably the, the one thing that that he didn't get was his white water rafting thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And but that, but that was his, but that was his pet project. Um, I, 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 can I, can I, can I say something about the data centers really quickly? I'm yeah. I, I looking at the day, so. One of the myths that they're pushing back on now is saying, well, many of the data centers now in Ireland are off the grid because they're self-sustaining. It's not true. They're using gas generators to do it. And the gas generator uh, usage has gone up in the last three years in a row. It's their own gas generators, but they're burning gas nonetheless. And we're just being told that this is what they're doing. So like, when you think about our overall emissions, this is the equivalent of getting you know, like a plane engine to burn in, in a data center to run the place. And we're all supposed to just pretend that that's not happening because they're saying, well, it's, 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 uh, it, it, it all goes into our net carbon spend, even though we're not, we're supposed to pretend it doesn't. So don't fall for that, um, that fallacy can, when you hear it. Can I bring you on to quasi court time, Tommy? Can I bring you there? I want to say one thing about about this before we start, and we might have to edit this out. I asked Martin, we have to mention, said, look how the look the UK politics. We're going to talk to Richard Murphy next week. We're talking to John Harris yesterday. You know, we're going to look at what's going on. But Martin, do you know what you wrote down on the on the notes? You I do. Yeah, you wrote Quasimodo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and only Martin and only Martin thought that was the funniest thing in the world. Um, but no, I suppose the one thing that that is actually really starting to stick in my throat is the the columns are starting to come going yes we don't yes it's not great here but look how bad those nutters are over there and the um the mini budget and all the rest of uh sam like it is it is disaster upon disaster i mean it, yeah, like, like, we're changing chancellors but we're not actually changing any policies with those chancellors it's just different suits same business um and until that changes, until we actually get a change in direction and, and actually people start listening to what's going on out there, I mean, the office for, uh, it was just, get the figures right. You know, that was the basics and they didn't. And that you was say Chancellor, it. really, it should be, it's been a series of chancers is what they've had. In chancers really, or chancellors? Yeah. I go with chancers. Yeah, yeah, I'm with chancers, yeah. Um, I mean, I see today on Twitter they've started a whole campaign through GB News about bring back Boris. Oh my yeah. God! <laughs> Have we not learned? I mean, just because it's got worse doesn't mean we go to that. You know, it, it's there is better. Shauna, can I ask a question on that actually? Because there's no written constitution to say that you know the, the in the UK that's the, one of the things. It's almost like, well, there's a gentleman's agreement on this thing. If you do that, you go. And Boris successfully ignored most of that as things went along. But we do see things like that where they go, well, actually, the rules wouldn't dictate that Boris could come back. Yet there's no written down rules to say he can't. No, it's more, I mean, the constitution, the fact that the what the constitution is like, uh, it's like Schrodinger's constitution. It's either, it's, it's a lot of things and it's nothing. But I mean, in terms of the who rules the as who's prime minister ultimately technically part of the constitution is what the rules of the 1922 committee um have have decided to, i mean if you take a broad interpretation of what the constitution is which is you know how the, the uk is governed who is prime minister is, is very fundamental part of who how it's governed and so i mean 1922 at the minute they can't uh, once there's an election a leadership election they have a they stick with that leader for a year, but they could change that on the turn of a pin. So, I mean, it's there's a lot, um, having worked really hard on the eighth and repeal, there's good things and bad things about 
a written constitution. I mean, when I was doing my exam in King's, nobody told me it was a closed book exam. So I learned the entire constitution like f- from rote. A shock of my life when I saw it sitting on the desk when I got in. <laughs> 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 you, mean, you mean I can bring a calculator to my maths exam? <laughs> to God. Uh, you mean I have to know how to apply this? Uh, but uh, but so technically they can't have another one for a year, but they could change that with a meeting. And who knows, the 1922 committee, you're not even allowed to know who's in it. So, I mean, it's it's so it's so it's so shady and kind of difficult to navigate um, in terms of hunt. I mean, I, healthcare is my thing, my bugbear, not my bugbear, but my like thing that I kind of know about and work on and Jeremy Hunt being anywhere near anything to do with money and Teresa Coffey just telling nurses to go elsewhere. Uh, and I think it's look, just, it's, it is, it, there is a point in terrible. the UK is worse than us, but you know, why look in the sewer when we should be looking up at the stars really? The, yeah. And that also, I, I really dislike seeing anybody say that because the UK is me and I'm Irish. So yeah. I, I mean, it's it's a it's a real dissonance to say, oh, look, look, I hate. It's a real bugbear mind to see people laugh and when I go, oh, it's not, it's not across the water, it's up the road. It's done, you know. It's it's and that's it's, it's real people's life. And also, you know, they don't have a PR electoral system. They have first past the post. Most, the vast majority of people didn't vote for this, and definitely the people who are are on, you know, in like my sister works is a spiritual doctor in Liverpool. You're not going to see any any level of degradation worse there. And yeah. she deals with their lungs. And I mean, those people did not ask for this. And they're the ones that are dying. They're the ones that are, you know, I worked in Liverpool as a crime and mostly defence. You Like we're poor here, but you have the level of deprivation there is just hard. It's, fig- it's fourth Victorian. generation. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's Victorian. It's, it yeah, is absolutely. It is. It and so those much. people don't. I don't see. I see anyone like rubbing their like glee. Like look at the downfall. I I think that is really macabre and uh, gross to be honest. Because I looked in the faces of fourth generation people who have been addicted for four generations of their lives and are twenty two. I'll never forget a defendant who's twenty three and had no teeth apart from like two down here. He did, couldn't give me an address for his mother. He didn't know where she was. He couldn't give me an address for his grandmother, grandfather. He'd, he'd no web. He just was kind of solo freebasing and, around. And we you know. will be talking to Richard Murphy during the week, and we will be talking how societal collapse is impending in the UK. Mm-hmm. I would just, we have to wrap because we have gone over. I would just like to mention before we move off, and Shauna mentioned it there, mental health that's why we're doing what we're doing in Ballymun. Tony and I are not getting a red cent out of it. We are doing it for a good cause. And we really do expect to see it all there. We absolutely expect to see it all there. Another little thing. Um, just I'm going to say this really quickly for the people who are getting insurability of employment decisions from the scope section. And I know you're out there and Tony knows you're out there. Now, all your files contain incorrect data and you have a right to go to through the data protection commissioner to have your files corrected under gdpr i advise you all to do it as quickly as you can so that's what i'm just going to say on that uh tony anything left you'd like to put in 
No, I think we'll wrap. I think it was a really great conversation. I want to thank Dan for the first time joining us. It was great. Uh, unfortunately, Dan, you won't be invited back on because we prefer things a bit bleak and a bit, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, just, it's like bringing in. Um, he's a millionaire, that fella. I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, the, 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 the argument people say, well, look, oh, they pay more taxes. Yes, and they get the services. And 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 actually, the taxes can be spread out as well. We have a, we have a commission on taxation that recommended doing these things. And our government before it was even printed said, oh, not interested in that. That sounds like... Oh, yeah, governor. Not having that, yeah. Socialism. Go on, go on, go down. always bring up the taxes thing. But for example, if you earn, if your household income is less than four and a half thousand a month, yeah, which is significant enough, if it's less than four and a half thousand a month, your childcare is free. <laughs> zero, zilch. I'd have kids, I'd have <laughs> kids like, just to do that. I'd have no, kids man, just to do that. So that's... That's Don't at Dublin prices. That's cut them off. Cut them off. Cut them off. Cut them off. Listen, lads. Thanks, Dan, Shauna, and Sam. We're gonna hang on. We're gonna wrap there. We'll hang on and see if anybody wants to have have any questions, any comments. Thanks so much. I really, really appreciate it, guys. Thanks for that. And and uh, maybe Shamim will join us next week. But her story, I think, is an important one. Again, the immigrant beat does not get enough coverage. I'm so I'm delighted that she continues to put out such great work. Support the Dublin Enquirer.